Welcome back once again to another episode of George in the Jungle. I am Aaron Smith, joined as always by the legend himself, George Vogel. We are here to recap your uh, week or so, and we did take last week off. George had some some concert tickets he had to uh, put to use last week, but but we're going to recap your week in Cincinnati sports, as we always do. But without further ado, George, the Bearcats. I'm doing all right. The, the Bearcats broke the losing streak. They are no longer defeated in the Big 12, even if it's a win against Houston, a former AAC rival. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, it's a Big 12 win. Um, I, you know, we hope this had happened back in September when they were out at BYU or maybe that home game against Oklahoma, which didn't expect that, but didn't expect a seven game losing streak either. And thank God that bad boy snapped. And I'll tell you what a difference and, and just how good they looked, um, pretty much in all phases in this game Were they dominant. Mm -hmm. No. Um, but they certainly were. I never felt like they were out of control in that game. And if you run down and look at some of the stuff they did, first of all, that first drive of the game, um, you know, the, the methodical, uh, they, uh, you know, they only faced one third down on that drive, 11 plays, 75 yards. Um, they did everything right that drive. And that was a great way to get it started. Um, and took that seven, nothing lead. And I'll tell you what, uh, I just thought that helped set the tone, gave them a little confidence, and certainly the defense built on that. And, uh, you know, kudos to that defense and to the coaching staff for running those two young corners out there to start the game and send a little message, and I think the message was received. Um, you know, I think everyone else kind of picked up their play, and they did a great job. Uh, what they hold Houston to through the air was something stupid. It was uh, it was a low number. I, I mean, it was just over 102 yards passing in the game for Houston. That's ridiculous in today's college football. Against a, against a quarterback who was number two in conference for passing yards. Yes. Yeah, and they did a great job against him. And, and UC, uh, you know, did a great job up front. Um, it was just great to see. Now, you know, is Houston a great team? No. Um, but to go on the road and win. And uh, what a weird game that was, though. I know it said 30-some thousand were in attendance. It sure didn't look like. I know it was a raw, raw night for Houston. Those people don't like to go out in that kind of weather. <laughs> but it was homecoming, and it's just like – and I talked to uh, some guys who were on the trip on Sunday, and it was like nobody was in those stands. They were shocked. These were – you know, some guys that were there with the team I saw when we were over at uh, third, Fifth Third Arena for the basketball game, you know, and, and give it to this football team. I'll say this. We're over there at Fifth Third Arena on Sunday, and those guys got back, probably got back to campus roughly around 3.30 a.m. Um, you know, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, they were in the weight room doing their thing, and they go in shifts. But that first shift was already there. And it included some veterans and some starters. And you know, I was impressed. It's like, man, oh, man, you know, they don't stop. I guess they get Monday off. Uh, but but they were right back at it, man, after, you know, getting off that plane nine, ten hours earlier. So you give them a lot of credit for that. And I just – there was a lot of good to take out of that game. Really well. Now, we had the week off last week, but we've now seen Emery Jones and Brady Lichtenberg – alternating drives um, early on, especially before somebody seems to settle in. And it's been Emery now two games in a row where he's settled in and kind of taken the ropes in the second half. Uh, but we, we have seen some of Brady. We've seen some of Emery. Do you think it's odd the way that they're doing this? Or, or have you, have you even seen this before where you do two drives, two drives, two drives? I don't know that I have. No, no. Usually when there's a change, there's a change, right? And you've been covering sports for a long time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Usually when there's a change, there's a change, or you bring the other guy in in the second half and let him finish out the game if it's already in hand or if it's out of hand. But you get him some snaps somewhere. But 
um, do it this way. And I, I got to think back, like if I have seen it, it, it's a lot of coaches don't like to do that because they want their starting quarterback to be the man. He's the sure. leader. Um, and I, I think some guys do that to a fault. They really do. Um, I, and, and people who play football at that level tell me I'm crazy, but I think sometimes a guy gets out of bed and it ain't his day. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with having a bad day and you see it. If you have a guy you trust, you put him in and, and let him take over and then the other guy can start the next week. But this that is structured to be like this, no, this this is this is very odd. And, and maybe I've seen it in some variations where you're running different types of offenses depending on the quarterback and you're but this is this is this is not that. Um, but uh, to to Scott Satterfield's credit on this, it seems to be working. He's getting Lichtenberg in some, you know, leverage situations where he gets a good look at him, and and you know the kids look pretty good. At the same time, Emory Jones upped his game at Houston. He had a very very good game. I mean, you look at his numbers, and uh, uh, he had what a thirteen of sixteen, thirteen yep. of sixteen. For a guy that we've sat here and ripped all year about not being able to throw the ball, uh, had the touchdown pass to Ryan Montgomery early on that to cap that first drive. So, um, no, I haven't seen it, but um, I understand it, and it's very interesting, and it seems to be working for this team. If you can do that and get out of Houston with a win, um, it'll be interesting to see how it works against this team coming up, too. Another road game. The hometown hero, Corey Kiner, had himself a day as well. 23 carries, 129 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, the team themselves had 204 yards on 48 carries. Um, but Corey himself, he, he had a day. He had another chance. I think this is the fifth time now. He had another chance for one of those breakaway touchdowns. And yeah. ends up getting caught. So I'm hopeful that sometime in the offseason, he's able to figure out how to switch it into that last gear to completely break away, but all the same, it was a great day for Corey Kiner and much needed for just this team. He, he looks great. He looked great in that game. And he sure as heck wasn't used to getting caught in high school. I can tell you that. I <laughs> got that dude in high school. He's got to be wondering, you know, what is this now? I don't get run down, but I'll tell you what, that second touchdown run he had, that five yard, and by then, the Houston defense may have been a little wary, but it was a critical point in the game. And that was a man's run. That five-yard touchdown, you know, somebody hits him, he breaks a tackle, then he's hit with two guys. He's got two guys at the goal line. He just kept those legs churning and powers into that end zone. That was a man's touchdown run right there. And I was, I was impressed. And I just heard, um, and it may have been last week, one of the coaches talking about him and his leg strength and stuff. And boy, if you ever doubted it, look at that touchdown run. And that guy, that, that's that's where doing all those squats and leg presses and all that pays off. Because that dude, that that was, to me, more impressive than that 62-yard gallop he had. That thing, I, I saw that play. I wind it back. I look at I'm winding it back, looking at it. It's like, damn, son. That, that was determination and strength and everything else. And he's got really um, – I, I think he's got a good balance about him too. I mean, he yeah. he really does. He's got a great balance. I think he's got pretty good vision. And I always thought, you know, um, Michael Warren was a guy I thought like maximized every run he got. Every carry, somehow he had this weird vision – where he could find just the littlest crack where he could maximize a run and what looks like a one-yard run, he'd get three. Or if it looked like a three-yard run, he'd get six because of his vision and, and balance, and he had all that. Corey's getting that. I mean, he's really starting to maximize his runs, and it's uh, it's fun to watch. And just watching him as that breakaway guy in high school, it, it's funny to see him grind like he does between the tackles. I mean, it, it's uh, – it's really something special to see, and I think he's going to be—he's going to be a special player for them. He already is. He's having a year. He's, you know, barring anything unforeseen, he's going to get over a thousand yards. And it surprised right. me 
I think I saw UC's only had like 13 different running backs uh, go over a thousand yards for the season. It's happened oh, wow. like 15 times. Yeah, I I would have thought, given that stable, I mean, if you start thinking about the running backs they've had, and, and since I've been around to follow them, you know, they've always had a guy, whether it was Alan Harvin, James Bettis, Reggie Taylor, Al McKinney, um, you can just keep going. And they've always had like a guy that seemed like, you know, ran for a lot of yards in a given season. And and that surprised me that that was the stat I saw. Maybe I misread it. I don't know. Um, but but that did shock me. But I, I think he's going to join that club. You did mention the cornerbacks uh, situation as Kalen Carroll got to start again and Raquan Atkins gets to start in place of Jordan Young. Uh, Coach mentioned today in his presser that Jordan Young had been – doing some things that were undisciplined off the field. So he was disciplined on the field and got a message sent, message received. And Jordan Young ended up having himself quite a game as, again, the, the team just barely gets over 100 yards. And Houston gets over just over 100 yards passing. Uh, they also cleaned up penalties, going two penalties for eight yards total Amazing. for the game. Amazing. Uh, but Dante credited the – cornerbacks today in the presser uh saying that it was the best game that the cornerbacks have had all season and it allowed allowed the defense to actually open up their playbook and do some things playing with the lead chad had the stats on playing with the lead we had 13 snaps before this game playing with a lead the entire big 12 play and now now you get 53 in this game and you're able to do some things that you just simply weren't able to do because you were always playing from behind yeah, and you, you're you're like you're basically playing on eggshells because one big mistake, and you know that could be the ball game when you're playing from behind like that. And we saw that happen plenty of times. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. And and you know Jordan Young made that great play on that fourth down play, the one they reviewed. Which actually, I felt like the kid when he caught the ball and he was running across the field, he almost got to that line, and he may have, but on his own, he comes back to try to avoid the tackle, and Young brings him down. That was a great play. Um, they end up getting three interceptions. You know, they start those two freshmen and work the other guys back in, and um, just really the DBs by far their best game, and, you know, they have been um, they've been talked about a lot in negative ways, but but they turned it around this game, and Whatever magic they found, I hope they can keep that going because uh, you know they're going to face a team this week that doesn't really throw the ball that well. So maybe they don't have to play their best game again. But that, and you mentioned just two penalties. How many times this season you look at the game before when UC's? I think it was the Central Florida game, and UC gets a a big play, and it's like they're first and goal at the two or whatever, and then bang, there's a false start, and now you're first and goal at the seven. And it's a whole different dynamic. And they didn't punch that one in. That was a big mistake for them when, when that happened. And the, those things have happened all year. They, you, you pick the game, you pick the loss, and they've had big penalties that absolutely killed them. And to avoid that bug is awesome. And if they can keep that cleaned up, because quite honestly, the thing I thought would improve a lot this year when Coach Fickle left, and no offense to him, but his team's always had a lot of penalties. I mean, sure. they, they had a lot of penalties. And, you know, you always wondered, did they play with too much of an edge? And were they getting too many of these personal fouls and things that, you know, sh- should you pull them back a little bit? It's a fine line, and it's tough for coaches to do, I know. But I thought that would get cleaned up immediately. And it didn't. And there were all kinds of crazy penalties this year and these losses that, they, that, that you know, what team can withstand all that? But to have just two the entire way, and and you know one of them was a pass interference, but I think it was like a two yard penalty because it was down at the goal line. You know that that's going to happen. That you, and then uh, I forget what the other one was, but you know they only got penalized. What was it? Eight yards in the entire game. Yep. That's just a seemed, way to win a game. Just seemed like the things that had been haunting this team mistakes, like when you when you go for it on fourth down and aren't able to convert there in the red zone. Or when you have a guy who gets an interception and you fumble it, that these are the things that didn't end up costing the team the win where we've seen this team just completely 
unravel, dismantle all season long on plays like that. But this the, the oh, team yeah. showed grit. I, they showed I, grit. I, they showed I, determination, and and they they got the job done despite getting in their way a couple of times. Gone on that play, though. I feel bad. I mean, he makes a great run around with the ball like this, though. I know. He's wanting a touchdown so badly. He deserves one. He's made so many big plays. And want that touchdown so bad. It was funny to hear Corleone talking about that today. <laughs> he didn't really yell. <laughs> he said he turned around and he's like, I, I was on the sidelines. I turned around like, yeah. oh, we got the ball. I'm celebrating. Yeah, he's celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> they told him next time just run straight. And when you're tackled, you're tackled. If you get in, you get in, but don't do that dancing yeah. around. And, uh, you know, it was also um, – it was good when, when I was over at the game Sunday and I, I got in on this uh, little UCATS thing that, that Scott Satterfield was there talking. And he talked about how this game and, – and I don't know this. None of us would know this unless you're in that locker room. But how he – you know, they felt like this, given all that adversity they've been through – they feel like they're kind of coming out of the fire where the team is really starting to be a team. Um, and if that is true, that's remarkable in a season like this because 50 guys could go 50 different ways when you lose seven in a row. And sure. if they are, and there were some other people around the team that, that felt the same way, I hope that's true. Like I said, you don't know unless you're in that locker room. But he said he felt like, during that game, that was the first time he had a whole roster pulling in the same direction, playing for each other, doing all that stuff you want a good team to do. And, boy, that's hard to do after you've lost seven in a row because that thing can really go off the rails. And, and look, you look at the way they played. You look at the way they played. That says something about what those coaches have done here and how they have been able to keep things together. Um, but we'll see. We'll see if that translates to two wins in a row. And wouldn't it be nice to just go ahead and make it three in a row and, and get your butt out of that Big 12 cellar because they're still there, but there's a bunch of teams ahead of them with just two wins. If they could end up with three, they'd be out of that cellar. I know that's not what anyone wants. You know, That's not anything you get a trophy for. But at this point in the season, that's what you play for. That's what you strive for. And you want to just get it going in the right direction and end it the right way. We'll see if they can. Yeah, West Virginia has been a little bit of a surprise this year. Uh, it is their homecoming this week. They are sitting currently at 6-4 and four compared to UC's 3-7. and seven. Uh, It is supposed to be 66 degrees on Saturday at game time. Uh, right now, West Virginia is favored 6 and a half the over-under at 54-and-a-half in that one. Uh, West Virginia coming off a loss themselves, though, as they kind of got the brakes beat off of them by Oklahoma, 59-20. Wow. Uh, they so they're in a bad Oklahoma team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After losing uh, at Oak State, the Sooners were a little PO'd, uh, and, and West Virginia ran into a buzzsaw. Um and West Virginia is an interesting team. It's it's a weird team. Like, how in the hell? So they're balanced, like you see. Uh, but 213 yards a game on the ground, 196 yards a game through through the air is what they're averaging. So so they're not an offensive juggernaut. However, they do run the ball really well. They're um, I don't know what you see is um, running the ball per game, but I think they're a little better than what number. Yeah. Five. Yeah, five Number in the nation. Five in the country. I think mm -hmm. West Virginia's top ten in the country, too. Um, and and it, it's weird. They got this big running back, too. This kid, um, C.J. Donaldson, 6'1", 238. I mean, you're talking a load right there. And and I don't know that he breaks any long ones, but, God, he pounds it. Um, he pounds it. Scored a touchdown in eight straight games. Um, it would be nice for UC to break that streak. Um, uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, it, it's funny. I was looking at some notes today and the last meeting between these two, 2011, when they were both still in the big East down at Paul Brown stadium. I remember being at that game and I remember 
Geno Smith on the sidelines, and he's listed at 6'3 or something. I'm telling you what, that dude looked like one of the biggest quarterbacks I'd ever stood in there. I saw it, and he had a great year that year. And I think, were they were they all for the Big 12 after that? I think they may have been. I think that's Maybe. why you didn't play him. That may have been their last year in the Big East because they kind of bolted, I think, a year early. Um and and Geno Smith though was the quarterback then and and then the C it's it's funny I I mean they had a pretty good team and UC UC could have won that game or certainly could have tied it at the end they had a field goal blocked uh, that would have tied it up on the final play but uh, UC lost that twenty four twenty one yeah West Virginia went to the Big Twelve the the next season so West Virginia has a huge you know this is all history and it doesn't matter in this game coming up but they have a huge advantage in this series overall. Um, it must be really bad because I didn't write it down. Uh, <laughs> but but I, I, I certainly I certainly expect – I really think we're going to see a hell of a game on Saturday. I really do. I'm looking forward to it. And I think that the matchup plays into Cincinnati's favor as they've – they've this defensive line is built to stop the run. Uh, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but – West Virginia, I've been high on West Virginia all season long. Um, as anybody who watches our nightcaps know, uh, this this is not going to be a su- surprise to me if West Virginia comes out strong right out of the gate. Well, so. yeah, yeah, I mean, they beat UCF the week before. Um, well, they've got four Big 12 wins. Yeah, it's not going to be easy. I'm just um, – I'm probably a little more hopeful just based – on recent history for UC as far as what I saw Saturday. We'll see if they can keep that up. Um, in fairness. To see them bust out and finish strong. In fairness, their wins are against BYU, uh, TCU, UCF, not in that order, um, and Texas Tech. So their wins yeah, are not I, impressive wins. We'll, we'll say they, that. They buried BYU, though, right? Didn't they hammer them pretty good, I think? Uh, 37-7, yeah. Yeah, I was watching that game, and that that uh, that got ugly. Um, that got ugly. But and they and they did lose to Houston, forty-one thirty-nine. That was so. interesting. Yeah, they did. I saw that on there. I was looking. That was, that was on the the Hail Mary, I believe. Yeah, I think you're right. That yeah. was. That should have been a W for the Mountaineers for sure. So and so and we gotta wonder. Like, I wonder what. You know, Coach Brown down there, I wonder what kind of heat he's feeling if he is. Well, if you lose Cincinnati, all of a sudden the heat that was at the beginning of the season is probably right back where you were despite winning six games this season. So, Well, if his name were Jimbo Fisher, he wouldn't care if he got fired or not. He'd be he wouldn't, walking wouldn't care if he, 75 mil. He wouldn't care if the, the, the boosters wouldn't care if he won or not. They, they fired Jimbo after a win. After a 40-point win. It's the nuttiest thing. I, I've, I mean, no one's seen anything like this. First of all, two years ago, they extend that contract back to 10 years. Two years ago, because they thought he might leave for LSU. Yeah. And now two years later, you're giving him $75 million to walk away? Now, Let's, I don't know how that AD stays in that position. Because he was there when this extension happened. If I'm the Board of Regents, it would have been AD first. 75 mil would have stuck around a little longer than that AD that made that that contract. Also consider that his staff was just extended this season. And some of them have buyouts. If I'm not mistaken. And and that was only a month or two ago. So I'm sure there's buyouts worked into some of those things. How is that athletic director doing and how does he survive this? I can't answer I that. That's about that I punted out the door long before Jimbo. I'm I'm serious. I mean, how do you extend the guy two years ago and two years later? I don't care how much money you have to piss away. I, I that that is poor, poor <laughs> management. That's a guy uh, that's got to be the worst athletic director in the history of athletic directors. And UC had one one time that stayed 19 days. So that's I'll I'll see your worst athletic director and I'll raise you Arizona, who has two hundred and forty million dollars missing. Yeah, I'm about to give 
you got a point there. <laughs> At least we know Jimbo walked out with the seven. Right. He, he, he may have robbed the Brinks truck, but we know where that money went. We know where it went. That's right. Arizona's debating on selling the athletics program when I don't even know what that means. What, yeah, I, what, what does that even mean? They got to hang on until they get that big 12 money, I guess. But even how do you, that's how do you, not going to offset that. How do you sell an athletics program from your university? Where does it go? I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> a billionaire out there that's like, hey, I want to play with an athletic department. It'd be kind of nice <laughs> if that happened. But then, all, then you're the NFL, right? I, look, stranger things have happened this year. So, Oh, it's been so strange since this whole transfer, NIL, all that. And we can get into that with the basketball team. I mean, my God. Well, what's what's going on there is crazy. Let's let's switch gears anyway. uh, The Cincinnati Bearcats men's basketball team starts this young season 3-0, most recently getting a win over – what was that one? That was Eastern Eastern Washington. Washington. Yep. Uh, And they won that one handily um, as they have all their games at this season or at this point already uh 85 73 your final uh still playing obviously without jameel uh reynolds and aziz bondiago but you've had three games to digest i'm assuming that you've watched all three of these games um all three i was gonna say i know you (laughs) (laughs) and uh you were in the president's club right that was a weird thing is i had to like the, the Bengals game on Sunday and then the, this game's on and I want to go see the game live. So I got to record the Bengals and then you know how that is in here. Actually, I came home and I watched the whole thing play after play after play. But well yeah, I, I saw them. Um, I, I will say this just off the blush after the first three games. And while you say they won handily, I was a little worried at that first game. I mean, they couldn't shake – they couldn't shake Eastern Washington. It got down to five in the second half. Yeah, it got it got a little hairy. But still, looking at this team, there's a lot to like about it. Yeah, there's there's some things, and you worry about what it's going to be when you get in the Big 12. They got a month to figure some things out. We'll see what happens with these waivers. I mean, you know, Wes went on for several minutes today again about how he feels, how this process has gone. We'll see if they go the legal route. It looks like that's already happening, and there's going to be and, – and and I I would say – I don't know. I give it a fair shot that one, if not both of those guys, I I, I think Aziz has the better, better chance to, to be eligible. Um, you know, apparently UC feels very strongly about the case. And, you know, this goes back to the NCAA and just – throwing this crap out there with no hard and fast rules. And it's like, well, you can't transfer twice unless you get a waiver. Well, what the hell does that mean? Like, why would you get a waiver and why wouldn't you get a waiver? And why have waivers? I, I It's just, it's mind boggling what they do. And, and to me, both kids had their coaches leave. One was fired. The other one out at Utah Valley left for Cal. Um, right. You know, other kids transfer out. You're sitting there trapped. Um, you know, and Bandago, I feel really bad about because he's out there in the middle of Utah. You know, his family, his American family's back in Ohio near Akron, and he wants to get somewhere closer to home and play a higher level of basketball. Mm-hmm. And I can't fault him for any of that. And if the coach doesn't leave, Okay, then he doesn't really have a case. But if these coaches can just up and leave willy-nilly, I just feel like these kids should have a chance because as much as we want to say these kids commit to the university and this and they should commit to the university, well, you know, they commit to the coaches. That's who they're comfortable with. That's That's their father figure. That's their mentor. That's their guy. And, Comfort and blanket. Yeah. That guy creates. That's why you're going there. You either like him. If you don't, you go somewhere else. I, I don't, I've never known a kid go to university but hated the coach. 
Never. Yep. That would never make any sense. No, it doesn't happen. So th- there's so many factors that that weigh in what I feel like would be UT's favor. And look, I I, I don't think I, I think two time transfers you got to cap it. You can't just. But if your coach leaves or is fired, I mean you're asking a kid to stick around for you know the mystery guest and play for him and hope you hit it off with them. And, you know, if, if some big jerk walks in, you're supposed to just suck it up and, and enjoy the college experience. And you, you know what I mean? I mean, it's like, and I get it. These kids are on scholarship and all this. They do have some responsibility. And I, I'm, I'm a big personal responsibility guy. But that, you, you, kids, the university plays into it. The city plays into it. But, but the biggest draw is that coach and that culture and that staff is why those kids go to these places. And when they up and leave, what's this poor kid supposed to do who's from Senegal and the, most of the people he knows lives in the Midwest and he's out at Utah Valley? And the most frustrating thing about all of this is the NCAA playing judge and jury as they – apparently sent back a message saying, why Cincinnati? This doesn't make sense to us. Well, fortunately. Would it have been okay if it was Ohio State because that's closer to Akron? Or would it have been okay if it was, you know, uh, name a college up there? Cal following his his coach? or Right. But it's not. He probably would have had a better chance if he had gone to Cal. But he didn't want to go that far. It's it's not up to you to decide where is an appropriate place for this kid to play. Yeah, I know. I agree. That that's that's because when the kid's going through that, the coach up and leaves. And I know, you know, I, I just I don't know. I I, I think UC is going to end up winning this thing. Well, yeah, and because I, when it comes down to mental wellness, and and he's cleared through the mental wellness, and he's checked all the boxes at the behest of the doctors, at the behest of the coaches, at the behest of lawyers who have looked into all of this for the student-athlete, because this is probably far too much for them to even understand. They're getting all of the advice that this is free and clear, you're good, and then still being told, nah, we don't understand why you'd go to Cincinnati. Right, and and I would love to know what those boxes are. So they said there were seven criteria. And before they transferred – According to what Wes has said, and, and I believe him, they went down the whole list. Yep, 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 yep. Before they transferred because they wanted to play this year. And so they do what they're told to do and transfer and figure it'll be okay and it's not okay. You know, on the flip side, you know, the poor coaching staff, and maybe they, you know, maybe you don't roll the dice on both of them, but I don't think they felt like it was that big of a roll of the dice. And I think they felt pretty damn confident that at least one of those kids, if not both, were going to get those waivers. And now, right. you know, the waivers go by the wayside. It's it's a tough situation. It's weird. And it's also new because the NCAA has never done this crap. And they just rolled out all this stuff. With no rules. It was like NIL was wild, wild west. Transferring was wild, wild west. And there's no rules. And for you to roll that out and not have these rules, and they roll it out because they knew they were going to get their ass beat in court. So they're just like. And they're already already changing it for next year, too, by the way. Exactly. (laughs) And it's just like, good Lord. Um, Who's running this show? Let's let's get into the X's and O's though of what you've seen. Who's impressed you so far, George? Well, Day Day Thomas has been phenomenal. I, I mean, agree. as advertised, and I'll tell you what: for a freshman, Jizzle James ain't far behind because I love the way these guys press the ball. They get the ball and it's boom down the court, and if there's somebody to get it to or they can make a play, they do it. There's no hesitation. It it is. Fun basketball to watch. I mean, they push the pace, and I hope that doesn't stop. I really hope that doesn't stop. Those two jumped out at me, but then they're controlling the action most of the time. But, and Jizzle got lost. I I mean, that first game, probably in the first half, he got lost four times defensively. Uh, but, But he's got so much talent. He's going to get there. Part of it was he was trying to help a little too much, 
and lost his guy or, you know, gave up too much of an area and, and his guy took advantage. But he's figuring that out quickly. quickly. On the fly, yeah. It, it, his defense is coming around, and he's a heady player. He really is. John Newman, for God's sakes, he has looked phenomenal. One I'm dunk per shot, game so far. Bombing threes, explosive at the rim. Mm -hmm. um, he is just an absolute – he is a grinder, plays hard every second he's out there. Um I've got them all written down. Uh, I, <laughs> the game last, uh, who was it? It's a game they blew out, Detroit Mercy. C.J. Frederick was just an assassin. I mean, he was open and just mm. stroking it, and it was over. Um, he got held to a goose egg on Sunday. But I, Eastern Washington kind of took him out of the game early. Uh, but I, I love UC having a shooter like that. That is, uh, he, he's an assassin out there. If he's got a look, and he does everything well. That's the other thing. He is like, his basketball IQ and knowledge and feel. And actually, I could say that about all the guys I just met. I mean, that's the other thing. We spent a lot of years, and, and you could even say this complaint with Bob Huggins to a degree, now, he turned these guys that could jump out of the gym and strong and all this into basketball players. These guys are basketball players. They, they know how to play the game. They're, I mean, they are, they are ready-made. Um, you know, skillings, some good, more good than bad. Um, Got to finish a little better, but he, he's, he's looking good. Um, you know, Lacocious at times, the first game he wasn't so good, but he's he's going to be fine. That kid's got game, and he's another one that has pretty good feel. And I think I think some of these guys were pressing too much in that first game against Illinois-Chicago. Um, I thought they looked a lot better. Obviously, the blowout, everybody looked good. But even Sunday, these guys I'm talking and, – and Locke and Sunday was unbelievable. Now, you know, their, their big guy was a freshman – Victor's got some experience, and uh, Victor played a hell of a game, and he played within within himself. And, yeah. and when he was draining threes, the place went nuts. Not a lot of people there Sunday, understandably so, but who the people who were there enjoyed that Victor show. And, uh, you know, Josh Reed had all those rebounds in that game, but there's other things. He, he's getting there. He's getting there. I just hope he takes a little bigger step than what I've seen so far. Um, he's got to be able to knock down that shot outside. I know they say in practice he does. Um, I want to see it in games. Yeah. I think those are all fair assessments. Um, a name that you hadn't really mentioned, Odie. I thought Odie's presence, he doesn't look so hesitant. Um, it looks like he's willing to fill in whatever gaps they need him to fill in. And... Played much better around the rim the last two games. Yep. Um, so I think that was the only name you really didn't mention. Yeah, no, I ran that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> out of the whole roster. I thought C.J. Anthony looked good Friday night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did. Uh, uh, but but yeah, I think uh, I don't know. I, I I think they're you know they they want to get better rim protection, and and th that was really a problem. I mean, that Illinois Chicago game was a layup line. It really was for Illinois. Yeah. I mean, they got way too many layups, too many. And some of it was what I was talking about where these guys were getting lost on defense. And, and you could tell it was you could tell it was game one. And you sit there and you think, well, what the hell have they been doing in practice? Well, teams come out and run different things and do different things. Um, they got to quit getting beat on backdoor cuts, too. That happened a couple times Sunday. And that drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. Um Detroit Mercy, that game was a mismatch, but at least they got tested a little bit Sunday and kind of had to dig down a little bit. And yeah. and Eastern Washington, for what they are, they're, they're no joke. They may win that conference this year. One of the points that I brought up, uh, I think, last night on our show, uh, just kind of curious to get your thoughts on it. I think this team actually has depth to where if a guy like CMOS or a guy like Vic doesn't have a great game. They have guys who can step up and they're really starting to build confidence in the fact that everyone's shooting. And, and I think even CJ Frederick having a, a night where he only has two shots uh, on Sunday, 
I don't think that's anything that's going to live with these guys. They're not worried about the fact like they've had success already and they're just going to be like, all right, well, that was just a game. Love the way they share the ball. There's no, I, I love the way they share the ball. What you pointed out with CJ uh, not scoring Sunday. Mute, mute your TV, Chad. Champions Classic starting, sorry. Oh, George. Who won Ole Miss. Uh, uh, Duke. Duke, okay. Yeah. Uh, Ole Miss is playing Detroit Mercy tonight at Ole Miss. Guess the score with three minutes left. Ole Miss, 90. Detroit Mercy, 72. Ole Miss, 64. Detroit Mercy, 63. I'm rooting for the Titans. <laughs> I'm on so Titans. I mean, I know. they they buried that team. Now they buried they it. They beat yeah. the hell out of them. But they might not be terrible. I thought it was a mismatch, but UC jumped them right out of the gate. Yeah. CJ Frederick couldn't miss. Right. Nobody could miss from three early in that game. That was, a, that was a clinic. And you're right. Maybe they're not that bad. I thought they might be bad. They lost their guy last year, right, Davis? Yeah. His son. Sometimes when a guy that shoots that much moves yeah. on, you might oh, get a little better. I loved when, when at Fifth Third Arena, too, they showed that shot by DeJulius at, at yeah. right before the half, and then yeah. he walked up to talk to him. Do you remember that? Was yep, that I do. Year? I two believe so, yeah. It was one of the two. I don't know. It was recently, but DeJulius made that shot at the half. Yeah. And he kind of barked at that that was a great matchup that night. Those two, that was, that was a lot of fun. But oh, I hope you no, know, George. We I think it was last year because we joked the guy that had more fun than he's ever had in his life was CJ Anthony leading up to that game, getting to be Davis. <laughs> so he got to shoot and practice all the ultimate time. green light. Like That's just great. he's That's gonna great. shoot from everywhere. That's so what the guy, Davis said. It, it, it didn't matter if he had an off night or not. He just fired. It, it, right. Maybe. So if the guy that was was playing him on the scout team, like, guess what? Right. Scout shoot. That's what you got to do. Right. <laughs> oh, that, that's fantastic. Well, I hope you're right. I hope they're better than 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 I give them credit for. But uh, UC really was hitting on all cylinders in that game. Well, they beat the hell out of them. I, I'm not. I'm not denying that. I'm saying, you know. In the first half, they did. The second half, and I think it was close. That's how those games go. But my God, when you score 60 in the first half, don't you kind of have to get to 100? <laughs> you would like it. It would, it would be, a, it would be uh, optimal. I, I wanted 100, but, but then again, I get it. And they could have gone for it at the end, but UC dribbled it out. But that's okay. That's fine. So their next game is against the Norse of NKU on Sunday. Oh boy. So UC fans want blood. I don't I don't think there'll be any O O D. There there won't be any urns involved in this game or anything like that. <laughs> um but that, yeah, I, I think we need to just it should be isn't that what they should play for? Like an a urn. golden urn, a golden urn. <laughs> That's the rivalry trophy. I'll tell you, that was a low point last year when that happened. That was a low point. So, yeah, we uh, we'll be all eyes should be on that game on on Sunday, as there is no Bengals game on Sunday. Two o'clock um, start, Fifth Third Arena. There you go. Um, yeah, I, I'm interested to see how UC comes out and plays because, uh, you know, there are still plenty of guys left from that team last year. There's a lot of new blood, obviously, but uh, I, I would think, you know, the head coach was certainly there last year, and he's going to know. He was. And, and you can't take these – I mean – NKU is a good Horizon League team, and the Horizon League plays damn good basketball. Um, there, there's, there's actually, you know, I sit here and say how UC is, you know, the fans want blood and all that, but 
and they shouldn't have lost to NKU last year. It was such an ugly game and shouldn't have lost in the fashion they did. However, that happens in basketball, and NKU is more than respectable. That's a good program with a damn good coach um, who knows what the heck he's doing. And I don't know if he has quite the overall talent that he had last year, but I, I guarantee you this, when, they, when it comes to Rising League tournament time, they're going to be ready to go. They always are. They, they did play at Washington uh, in their second game of the year, and they only lost that game by eight, a final of 75-67 in favor of the Huskies. Um, and their lone win this season does come uh, at at in their last game, 85-68 to DePaul, hosting DePaul. So well, uh, ESPN's FPI gives them a 12% chance, 12.3% chance to win this game. NKU, that is not not UC. No, that to, to win at fifth third, that that would be uh, that would surprise me. But Shocker. last year surprised me over it. You know what 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 is it now? It used to be uh, Bank of Kentucky, but it's something else now, right? Center. That's I, I live in Athens. I I couldn't tell. <laughs> I only went over there all the time. I still go there. <laughs> It was Bank of Kentucky stuff, but it may have changed. Truist Arena, is that what it is now? Sure. It's Truist. You'd have a better idea than I. Oh, I should know. Truist Arena. Yay. It was Bank of Kentucky, though, at one time, right? Yes. Yay. <laughs> there we go. Um, the Bengals played on Sunday. We've been putting this off. Completely switching gears. Uh, this off. We have been putting this off a little bit. Uh, they they lose to CJ Stroud, who's on fire right now, oh. and the Houston Texans. Um, not a not a pretty game. You're missing T. Higgins. You're missing Sam Hubbard. Trey Hendrickson has to leave after he gets rolled up on. Well, after the play is over in a just weird. Place that was at the end of the game. Correct. At least that was at the bitter end. Uh, but Houston wins by a field goal, 30-27. Um, the Bengals got their butts kicked in the trenches, basically. It was – everything they did was weird. They're still not running the ball. They just simply refuse to run the ball, whether they have a lead, whether they don't have a lead. All rushing yards in that game, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, the – 188 to 66. It's what we've been – I, I mean, the – what we've been talking about all season, though. All season. 24 yards of offense. But, yes, the Bengals did not. I mean, they what they have? I'm, I'm going to guess it was under 20 running plays and 40, 40-some 40 passing plays, 40. Um, 16 run plays, 40 passing plays. Okay. I knew it was somewhere in that neighborhood. You know, you allow four sacks. Burrow was hit nine times. You would think you would find a way to slow that down. And I'll tell you, I saw, okay, this is how weird I am. During that UC game on Saturday night, they're talking about the guy who set the record for most passing or most yards from scrimmage in an NCAA game. And they said he's a pretty good quarterback in the NFL right now, and he played at Texas Tech. So it's Patrick Mahomes. I looked up the game. In that game, Joe Mixon played for Oklahoma. He had like 250 yards rushing and like another 160 through the air. So the guy can be used for screens and things to slow down pass rushes. And I don't know why I, I, I don't know why that doesn't happen. Two uh, catches, negative one yards for having one of his better years when you when you look at each play. I mean, he had a run the other day where he kind of got hit. At the line of scrimmage, behind the line of scrimmage, and hopped over that guy on one leg and kept his back. I don't know how he did it. I don't know. He's a pro athlete, and that proves it right there. An elite athlete. That run, and he ended up getting like eight or nine yards on that run. It was a terrific run, and he was he was dead to rights in the backfield. And you, you know, I know they they get behind the stick sometimes, and you can't run it. But I don't think that's always the case. And I know there were some things that happened, you know, the curious call and Joe Burrow took the blame for this, the when he called the quarterback draw and he saw a look that he swore was there. 
and I trust him. He, I mean, he can figure this crap out hell of a lot quicker than I could ever think about. Sure. And boy, it got stuffed. But that tells me right there, if he saw the look and thought, this is it. And it was like second and, and it was more than 10 because there had been a loss of yards on the previous mm -hmm. play. But he's like, it's there. It's there. And then he gets stuffed. Something was going on up front that just wasn't right. And I don't know what it is uh, because I believe in this offensive line, but you got to start doing it on Sundays and they better do it on Thursdays coming up. But um, yeah, and, and it wasn't just the offensive line. I mean, the defensive line giving up 150 yards, to Devin Singletary, 188 yards, you know, in the game. Um it was a weird game for the big. I read an article, Paul Daner of the Athletic, and he's right. The, the these these cracks, giving up those long plays on defense, that that's been there most of the season. Now it wasn't there, you know, when they won a couple in a row. Seemed like they had it going, but in those losses, and I think that I, I think Houston. I don't know how many plays they had more than 20 yards, but it was a boatload. You can't give up those explosive plays and win games. And and the Bengals gave up a lot of explosive plays. I mean, Noah Brown, for God's sakes, had 170-some yards receiving. I read a crazy stat today, uh, and let me see if I can find it real quick. I believe that that game, he's played in the league for six years, and that game – uh, was he's been in the NFL for six seasons. 11.6% of his total career receiving yards came from Sunday's matchup with the Bengals. That's insane. Now, that I do want to credit that, that comes from that, the game, too. He's that, had that, three weeks in a row. That stat comes from Evan McPhillips uh, on Twitter at, at EMCPHIL. Do want to give credit where credit is due. Yeah. And, and that's a crazy stat. Absolutely and, you know, I, I wonder, because the week before he had 100-plus yards receiving, I wonder what the total of the last two weeks is, what chunk that is of his career yards. It's got to be a lot. Now, he's been injured, had some things like that that slowed him down. But, man, oh, man, you, you look at C.J. Stroud and the dudes he has with him at Houston that he's familiar with with Brown and the tight end, it's like, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> SMU's Tank well. Dell. We're all too familiar with Tank Dell as, as Bearcats fans. Yeah. He was, he was at SMU last season. Um, so yeah, they're getting it done. Unfortunately, it came in a, at a time that the Bengals really can't afford to I lose many more games. The Bengals would lose that game, though. I really did going into yeah. it. Now, was I as confident as I was against Buffalo? No, I wasn't. <laughs> Don't ask Thank me why. Because Buffalo is just your TV. I'm watching a damn game. Tank down went to uh, Tank down went to Houston. Sorry. Yes, yeah, that is correct. Thank you. The ombudsman speaks. Goodness. We have an, um, we have an ombudsman here. <laughs> uh, but in any case, they they they, they can't with with. No wins currently in their own division, and another conference loss. It's it's not That's good. The They're four and zero in the NFC. They're one and whatever, and yet they've got the one win over Buffalo. So even so, now they win Thursday night. You're right back in the division race, but you got to win this division. You're otherwise. I can almost guarantee they're going to be on the road in the first week of the playoffs. And they will not have If a, you make the playoffs. If they make the playoffs, right. I know. I know. But let's What? <laughs> One of the greatest things ever. That was Jim Moore. So, I don't know what I obviously you saw I'm I'm sure you saw today where uh Zach Taylor came out and said that he got in his own way with his play calling. He went back and watched tape, didn't wasn't happy with his own play calling. You've talked about the offensive line play. 
it's been dreadful. I could, I was looking for it while you were talking. I can't find the actual ratings, but I know, I think there was only one guy above 64. I think everybody oh, else was 64 oh, or less on the PFF, right? on PFF grades. Uh, and that's, that's not good. No, that's brutal. That's brutal. And you know, we, we talk about all those things, what everyone talk about right after the game, Tyler Boyd, Tyler Boyd dropped the ball in the end. Tyler. It wasn't a good pass. Well, he could have caught it. He should have caught it. Don't get me wrong, yeah, but it was still – it was behind him where you're coming back over your body. Joe, Joe is off. But those are unusual. I mean, so, Tyler Boyd has not done that before. He's not going to do it again probably. Um, he did drop the ball on the – it was like a second and seven in the third quarter, and he may have run a while on this one, and maybe that's why he didn't catch it. But, again, those are unusual plays for Tyler Boyd. He has been – and thank God Joe Burrow said it after the game. They wouldn't have been down there in position if it wasn't for Tyler Boyd right. on, on, on the play where he didn't catch it. Uh, they wouldn't have been down in the red zone if he hadn't done what he had done. But I, I was a little I, – I, I get that, that, yeah, that pass, you know, people felt he should have caught it. But he is not even close – when you give up 544 yards, some wide receiver is not the GOAT. I'm sorry. No, and they, they had talked about even uh, some of the defense. They, they were playing majority early on and even all the way through until I believe the third quarter, um, late into the third quarter even. Um, they were playing cover. They were playing man – or I'm sorry, uh, zone. And they switched up to man – late in the game, and that's when they stopped giving up big plays. Cam Tillabritt talked about it either today or, or yesterday or Sunday after the game. I can't remember when that interview was, but he said that's when they, they were able to finally start stopping the st when, when you're actually going head-to-head -head against these guys is when they were able to start shutting them down a little bit better than they were earlier in the game. But, yeah, 504. Lou, I'm not going to question anything Lou does, truthfully. But either. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that it sounds like the Texans were looked at this game, circled this game, said we're gonna switch things up and we're gonna do things differently than we've put on tape all year. Because I I can't imagine that for for both Lou and Lou giving up 544 yards is unheard of, and for Zach to Zach never calls himself out on play calling as much as he probably should, and for him to actually admit and and carry the water on this one saying I. I Played a, I called a bad game. That doesn't happen. Uh, I'll tell you who's more upset than anyone is the team that needed a quarterback and didn't draft C.J. Stroud. <laughs> Seriously. That kid's having himself a rookie season, and now I'm seeing – we'll see how what he does from here out. I'm starting to see these little MVP things for him, and that's interesting. It's about damn time, Ohio State, as many things as they can brag about, finally has a quarterback worth a shit. <laughs> yeah, um, I should know who their last good one was. Uh, people um, people are trying, still trying to say Justin Fields. I'm not going to say that he was a good quarterback. No, he's a hell of a player, but he just hasn't gotten it done. He hasn't gotten it done. Joe Germain. Art Schleister? Arch Schleister, I was going to bring him up next. <laughs> he should have been if he hadn't been distracted. Thank God he didn't have a phone back then. He'd been on that making bets the whole time. And, and back then, think, at least he had to find a landline to call a bookie. I think I think Joe did clarify it this week that he went to school at Ohio State. He played football for LSU. So for all those <laughs> Ohio State fans trying to claim him. Uh, oh. Not, not anymore. Well, that said, they, they they got this game against the Ravens coming yeah, up. The Ravens are going to put up a hell of a fight. They, the Ravens, still at the top of the division, even after the loss to Cleveland this past week. They're sitting at seven and three. Pittsburgh, somehow, some way, unbeknownst to me, and because they're my preseason pick to be a surprise. They're not good. They're not good. <laughs> they're winning. They they threw, a fumble, they threw a fumble that wasn't called a fumble, George. 
It went behind the line of scrimmage. Right. It went backwards. And it you want to go back through the history of the Steelers and the breaks? No, because it makes, happen, it makes me want to throw up. Steelers. Things happen. You can't explain them. There's nothing in the universe that can explain the things yeah. that go Pittsburgh's way. When it comes to you, the You could team. explain it, but, but but then people tell you to put your tinfoil hat on. Can and all you that, explain so. the game the Bengals lost, the playoff game in 2015? I mean, I could or explain 16. it, but people, again, call you crazy, and that's not the way it played. How in the world are you leading that game and, you know, you're putting the game away on the ground, and there's a fumble. They get it. Big Ben comes in with a bad shoulder, and he's barely able to heave the ball, and somehow they get down there. And and then the Bengals have those penalties, and it just come on. Well, we won't. That's, that's it, it's like the Bermuda Triangle of the NFL. That's that's a count. Cleveland, Cincinnati, and all the positive flow goes to Pittsburgh. That's a conversation for another day, but. Cleveland, Cleveland sitting at six and three as well, and the Bengals still in the basement at five and four. This shit's wild. It's wild. Hey, so Trey Hendrickson, he did practice tonight a little bit. They, they said limited. Now, other people said he went, did everything everybody did. The Bengals considered him limited. Uh, Higgins didn't practice. Hubbard didn't practice. Those guys probably. Yoshi didn't practice. Shot. What's that? Yoshi didn't practice. Yoshi did not practice either, um, which with Higgins out, that's kind of a big deal. Uh, not great. But, I, you know, the Ravens, I always say history means nothing. They're 6-0 and at home in Thursday night games. So that tells me they're due to lose one. The Bengals are also, I believe I saw the stat in the last, I think it was 10 years, the Bengals are 0-13 in away games on primetime. Really? Because overall, not great. Uh, they're 10 and 7 in Thursday night games, but I don't know about the road. Um, I could probably sit here and tell you I've been to probably damn near every one of those road prime time games. It was Jay Morrison. He said, oh, and the, oh, for their last 14, and I think one for 16. On the road in prime time? On the road in prime time. Thank you. I'm glad you saw that too. I suffered through so many of those doing like post game shows on the field and all that. Where we, in fact, I, I I used to have fans beg me not to go to games, but it's like I gotta go. They're sending me. I gotta go, and they're like, "We're losing. It's the bone well, curse." We'll find out what happens. Um, I know we're we're eclipsing that uh, yeah, one hour mark here. Um, but the right now the spread on that game. On Thursday, stands or four, maybe it's currently at where's it at three and a half. You are correct. And the stupid if I take the Bengals and the points, the over under 46 and a half game time weather 53 and cloudy. So we'll see. The Ravens do have the top scoring defense in the NFL. I think they're number two in total defense. Their defense is ridiculous. Um, I want to say that Marlon Humphreys is also dinged up. So. Yes, I don't think he's going to play. Um, but are the Ravens going to lose two in a row at home at home in back-to-back weeks? Um, they have. They did it to, to two division opponents. I know. I mean, they. I, I looked this up, and they have lost back-to-back home games. And actually, um, not last year, maybe the year before they ended the season with back-to-back home losses, I believe. So it's not like Baltimore's a black hole and you go in there and you're definitely going to lose. So, um, But I, 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 all things being equal, and I, I know in the division race it's nice to tighten it up that they lost to Cleveland, but I think it would have done the Bengals a little bit of a favor if they'd won that game and, and not be laying for – Cincinnati come Thursday night because that's got to be agree. a good Ravens team. The I way they lost that. that game and got out to a big lead, <laughs> they got to be P.O. But the Bengals should be P.O. too. So uh, FCC, they they won their their series. Yeah, they, they move on. Series. Uh, they're heading on to the conference semifinals. They play Saturday, November 25th, hosting Philly at TQL Stadium. Such a long break. It's a long break. It's it's crazy. 
And uh, Matt Miazga is the uh, defensive player of the year in MLS. That just came out, so that's good. And also in trouble. Also, he's also in trouble for going into the referees' yeah. quarters as well, right? Woo! I'll tell you what. There's some drama in soccer sometimes. I mean, it really is. And that's some drama. And he always seemed like, I, I, I don't know, I, I wouldn't say mild-mannered, but uh, <laughs> that's funny. Um, what else we got? Oh, high school football. You got state semifinal in Indiana. East Central's playing. And then you got the quarterfinals in Kentucky and uh, Ohio this week, which is called the regional finals, but for all intents and purposes purposes it's the final eight in the state in each division moeller and uh lakota west is the big one in division one um so yeah there's still a lot happening and we still got a lot to talk about which is beautiful and a lot to watch which is even better fair enough well we will do this all over again next tuesday uh another fun show with you though as we talked everything going on Hopefully, there's no more concert tickets coming up here anytime soon. I feel like I was at a concert today. I went to the Cyclones game, and it was it was a matinee. And what they do at these matinees, they, they face off at 1030, and it's school kids. It's a field trip for all these school kids. I mean, kids from – there's 7,000 kids. That and this dreadful. one goes in there, and they are screaming at everything. All the announcer had to say was, good morning. Ah! Like, I mean, screaming elementary and junior high kids. $2 beers, right? Start to finish. Not today. I stayed away from the beer <laughs> this morning. But the next game <laughs> I go to, it'll be $2 beers, and I'm all in. they got to be really cold, though, because of, of what they serve. And and because of how comfortable those seats are there at that arena. Oh, they got some new ones where I was. They were nice. Oh, there, there you I, go. I was impressed. I, I don't was know impressed. what to say. But God, it was loud. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up. That was another episode of George in the Jungle. For my host, George Vogel, I'm Aaron Smith. We will see you here next Tuesday night at 9 o'clock p.m. to discuss your city and their sports. See you then.